And Ruth chapter 1, we'll begin our reading in verse 14, and then read through the remaining verses of the chapter this evening. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. This, of course, is referring to Ruth and Orpah. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and whether thou, where thou lodgest, I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Within our last study of this narrative of Ruth, we consider how that both Orpah and Ruth were heading back to Bethlehem Judah with Naomi, and yet Naomi strongly urged both to return to Moab. We see in verses 7 and 8, where in chapter 1, it states that wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return, each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. Verses 11 and the beginning of verse 12 says, And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters, why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Now, while Naomi was attempting, as we have already discovered, to protect the future of both Orpah and Ruth, her advice, as I have mentioned to you, was based solely on her physical circumstances or the physical situation and conditions in which she found herself. And it was absent, her advice was absent of any spiritual consideration at all. And Naomi was not in very much of a place, I guess, at this point in which she was uh, giving very sound spiritual advice. But yet, out of love and concern for her daughters-in-law, she was saying, you should go back, I have nothing to offer you. And we've, we've looked at that quite extensively. Now, while both Orp and Ruth loved Naomi, I don't believe that's even questioned, and they both desired to go with her as they both had already left and were journeying on their way with her back to Bethlehem, they each responded differently to Naomi's instruction. Orpah, as we saw, turned back. Verses 14 and 15, which we've read, and they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. We are told that Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. And again, I would not question that Orpah had affection for Naomi and had a love for Naomi as her mother-in-law. And surely as she walked away, as Orpah did turn back to go to, go to return to Moab, she felt no doubt a sense of grief, a, a sense of sorrow. And yet, in the end, she left Naomi nonetheless. 
Now, although Orpah had affection for Naomi and probably even possessed as much love as she could muster within herself for her mother-in-law, her actions revealed clearly that she lacked the same commitment as that possessed by Ruth. Again, I, I told you on last week, and I do not want to belabor the point, but that love is not an emotion and love is not a feeling. Love is commitment. And though when one truly demonstrates love, genuine love, it can stir up emotion and feeling without question. That can be a byproduct of commitment to another. But yet in this case, Orpah had this affection for Naomi, but it's quite obvious that she did not have the same commitment to Naomi as that of Ruth. Now, there's a reason for this. And again, as I've said to you many times, and we'll see again this evening, uh, probably multiple times, that there is a reason for this, and that is because there is the love of God that has been working behind the scenes and is continuing to work behind the scenes as God's providence is unfolding in Ruth's life and in Naomi's life. And as well, even in Orpah's, it's just not the same result as it is within Ruth and as well Naomi. And so in contrast to Orpah leaving Naomi, we saw that Ruth claved to Naomi. And this verses 14 through 17, we see that to be the case in verse 15, let's pick it up there. She said, Behold, thy sister-in-law, Naomi speaking to Ruth, is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Notice that's God's plural. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Now, I told you, Naomi's not giving sound spiritual advice here by any means. She's telling Naomi, or Ruth, to go back with Orpah to her people and to her gods. Go back and, and to your faults and pagan gods. Go back to them. I have nothing to offer you. And Ruth said, Verse 16, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught, but death part thee and me. Ruth had been brought to the realization, obviously, that there was nothing in Moab that was worth her returning to Moab. In verses 16 and 17, she said again, for whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Notice singular here, not plural. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. Ruth's love, which is again to say her commitment, was life-changing. This is something that drastically changed the very life of Ruth. And genuine conversion, obviously, produces a genuine commitment. There is more going on here than there appears to be on the surface. Again, God is working. How do we know that? Because God has purposed to have Ruth within the very lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is God's work that we know, we can see looking back how this is unfolding. But let us remember that Ruth and Naomi had no insight to how this was going to unfold. They didn't understand all that was taking place. And might I remind you of this truth for you and I as well. We do not have always the proper perspective and insight to what God is working and doing at the moment. But we can trust that God is fulfilling His purpose in and through our lives all the same. And so Ruth is coming to realize there's nothing for her back there. And this commitment she has for Naomi is not something she had. I don't think that it's that Ruth possessed a greater love per se for Naomi than Orpah did apart, apart from God having worked this in her towards Naomi that Ruth would go back with Naomi to Bethlehem, back to Judah, that his purpose be accomplished. 
The new birth produces a new life, and it will be manifested by a new and deep commitment to the Lord in His truth. Again, I remind you of 2 Corinthians five seventeen and 18, the beginning of the verse of 18. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, verse 18 states. As the Lord was working, again, behind the scenes in Naomi's life, as we have clearly seen, Ruth was being drawn by the Lord to follow after Naomi as the Lord brought Naomi back to the land of bread. And this work of God in drawing Ruth with Naomi back to the place of his blessing provided Ruth with several things. I want to just review briefly, uh, just very quickly. We dealt with this for some time last week. But it was, she was now at a new home. She says, Whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Ruth was returning from the land of spiritual darkness to the, a land of, of blessing, of spiritual blessing. Ruth's response one of a deeper love than that which a kiss could convey as Orpah had kissed her mother-in-law, resulted in her cleaving to Naomi. And again, the, the verb clave or cleave would be that of clinging or sticking or holding to. Then there was a new culture that she, she also received. And that she said, thy people shall be my people. Ruth was willing to forfeit her entire identity, all of her past, to embrace this new identity with Naomi in her land, in Naomi's land, with Naomi's people, and more importantly, with Naomi's God. And that brings us to where she also, obviously, from this response to Naomi's instruction to leave, and she said, I will not leave, it also provided her now with a new God. She said, thy God, my God. So your God's going to be my God, she said, despite the culture of her homeland, Moab in which they acknowledged many gods. We saw that already. Ruth was convinced that there was only one God, and she was determined to worship him and him alone. She said, I'm not just following after you, Naomi. I'm going to embrace your people. They will be my people, and your God's going to be my God. This was not simply, I love you, Naomi. I can't stand to depart from you. It's much more than that. And then in the last, of course, there's a new future. She said, where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. She said, I'm not going to die in Moab. I'm not going to remain in Moab. Where you go, I'm going to go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And I will, I will now have this absolutely new future with you, and I will die with you. I will die in your land. So she wasn't simply trying a new life with Naomi. She wasn't going to test the waters and see how it would go, but she was completely committed to live and die in this new life with Naomi. So as we progress in our study of this narrative provided in this account of Ruth, I want to remind you of this truth that as a narrative... And that's what this is. It's, a, it's telling the account of Ruth, historically, what took place. It's not that we are taught any, any doctrinal truths that are, are of instruction being provided to us, but there are many truths and many parallels which we, with which we can compare and many things from which we can draw and see how God, first and foremost, was actually fulfilling his eternal redemptive purpose in the account of Ruth. Through Ruth and through Boaz, through Naomi, this was being accomplished. This is literally happening. But also, we can then relate to what God was doing in all of this and even see parallels within God's redemptive purpose unfolding throughout time, even since this historical account. And as, as God worked in Naomi and Ruth's life and with Boaz and so on, we also can see how, how it relates in relation to, to us and how God continues to work in our lives and how his redemption is unfolding in, in our lives as well as we who have been redeemed by our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we 
discovered and continue to see God's love at work behind the scenes in this whole account. And God's love had a hold on Naomi, drawing her back to the land of his blessing. And it was also God's love working in the life of Ruth that caused Ruth to cling to Naomi as she did. And as we saw explained in the text in our last study, both Orpah and Ruth possessed a love for Naomi, yet it was God's working in Ruth and the love of God working in Ruth behind the scenes that caused her to cling to Naomi unlike her sister-in-law Orpah. Now love's hold in this case, which is Ruth's hold to Naomi, is one which had a profound impact not only on Ruth's life and future, but also Naomi's life and future. Look at verse 18 with me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, when Naomi saw that Ruth was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Naomi quit speaking to Ruth about the matter. Not only did Naomi attempt to persuade Orpah and Ruth to return to Moab, but once Orpah returned and Ruth expressed her desire to continue with Naomi, Naomi further attempted to convince Ruth to go with Orpah. Once Orpah did turn back. Look at verse 15. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law, Naomi speaking to Ruth, is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. But now notice how Ruth decisively responded. Verses 16 and 17. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. Thy God, my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Interestingly enough, I want to remind you, too, of this commitment, this covenant relationship, really, that Ruth is making with Naomi in this account. You see that she speaks about how that she clave, and that's the same word that is, is in Genesis when the Scripture says, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. Same exact, same Hebrew word. And It means, again, to stick, to hold, to cling. And yet, also notice what she goes on to say to Naomi. She says, The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. She says, I will cling to you, and if anything other than death be that which parts us, then may God judge me accordingly, is what she is saying. It's very interesting how the language is very similar to that which we would speak of in covenant relationships and with vows even of marriage, as we would recognize them even in our culture today. Ruth's determination led to Naomi's concession, of which we read in tonight's text in verse 18. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, she, then she left speaking unto her. Once Naomi realized that Ruth's declaration of love was one of commitment, which is what genuine love is, Naomi no longer attempted to persuade Ruth to leave her. This demonstration of Ruth's love is, again, one which was prompted by God's love working behind the scenes. You cannot overlook this. Why would Ruth say, I will die with you, I will go with you? And she she does say, I'll dwell where you dwell, but they didn't even have a home at this point. There was no guarantee when she got there that there was going to be something awaiting Naomi, and Ruth didn't care. She said, I will dwell where you dwell, I will lodge where you lodge, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. She says, and I will die where you die. I will die with you, with your people in your land. And so the only difference between Orpah and Ruth, they both cried, they both wept, they both sorrowed, they both said, we're going to go with you. They both left their homes to go with her. 
And the only distinctive difference is that God is working in Ruth. Now you say, it doesn't say that. Oh, it's obvious. When you come to the end of the book, you realize this was God working all the time. His redemptive purpose in the life of Ruth. When I say to you, the very decisions that you have made in life, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, even things that you did prior to the point of coming to faith in Christ, God was working all the while to bring you to the place where His redemptive purpose would be realized in your life. You didn't know that at the time. You weren't aware of that, but you should be able to look back now and go, wow, that's why I did that. That's why I thought that. That's why all of a sudden I was drawn to something that I should have been drawn to any, for any other reason. God works like that. And he see, you see that in the life of Ruth so clearly demonstrated. This is the only difference between Orpah and Ruth. In fact, Naomi herself declared that she says, may, may God deal kindly with you as you have dealt with me. Speaking to both Orpah and Ruth, not just Ruth. So they again had this relationship that was obviously a good relationship. But yet, there's a distinct difference between the two and their response. Verse 19. So they went until they came, this is Ruth and Naomi now, until they came unto Bethlehem. And it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them, and they said, is this Naomi? Now, it's interesting, because it says that the city was moved about them. And the verb moved here, it literally means confused. (laughs) It's not saying that they were all moved with emotion. No, it's saying that they were confused about this. The people were looking on, seeing Naomi return, and there's some confusion that is present. The people were not expecting to see Naomi. They were not expecting to see any of her family return after having been gone for such a long period of time. This is 10 plus years that they have been gone. And yet she returned and did so And the people with whom she had had fellowship with, some of them no doubt, they knew who she was, but they were confused about her being there and even questioning, is this truly Naomi? The confusion of the people is further emphasized by the question, which I just stated, is this Naomi? And it's important to remember the meaning of Naomi's name. Remember, the name Naomi means pleasant, lovely, delightful, friendly. Naomi had left Bethlehem full with her family, and she speaks to that. And she had obviously lived up to the meaning of her name among those who knew her. There was no problem with them calling her Naomi before, else they would not have called her that when she returned. So prior to her leaving Moab, there was a a pleasant spirit. There was a friendly and and lovely uh, character about Naomi that was present, hence they continue to call her that. And, and remember something, we, we, we use names today and we even name our children and such, and sometimes we give very little thought to that, whereas years ago, and especially in biblical times and with uh, the Jews specifically throughout the Old Testament, their names had great meaning. And we see that to be evident even in the books of Scripture and the meaning of the names and how it relates even to the messages that were being given at the time of many of the prophets and such. So names had significant meaning, and they still do, but they they carried a heavier weight culturally than they do today in most cases. 
and that being understood, she was pleasant, she was lovely, there was a, a kindness about her, and, and no doubt pleasant to be around, and so they had no issues calling her Naomi or questioning, is this Naomi? Is this the pleasant one? Is this the lovely one? Is this the kind one? And they asked that question because as she returned, there was a confusion that was present as to whether this was the same Naomi who had left so many years prior. Is this Naomi? Verses 20 and 21. And she said unto them, now look at Naomi's response to this. Call me not Naomi. There's meaning to this name. She's saying, don't call me pleasant. Don't call me lovely. Call me Mara. For the Almighty dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? Now, you should stop for a moment and consider the mouthful that Naomi just spoke. There is much to unpack here and to consider in what she just stated. Naomi heard the question of the townspeople. It's no wonder that they would ask such a question when one considers the obvious contrast between the woman who had left many years prior to the woman who now returned. Naomi was but a shadow of the woman who had left. While the name Naomi again means pleasant, lovely, delightful, friendly, she now returned much differently than that which she had once been. For this reason, Naomi responded to the question of the townspeople with this answer. Call me not Naomi, but call me Mara. And the name Mara means bitter or bitterness. So there's a tremendous contrast between that which is pleasant and delightful and lovely and that which is bitter. Naomi further explained why she requested them to call her by the name Mara or bitter. She says, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Now, this is an interesting claim which is made by Naomi. In the very next verse, and I've, said, I've shared this with you or, or declared this to you in previous uh, studies already of the, the book of Ruth, Naomi credits the Lord for a return as she rightly should have done. Look at verse 21, the beginning of the verse. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. She could have easily said, I went out full and I returned empty. And that would have been a true statement. But notice what she does here. She does credit the Lord in bringing her back. She recognizes that God has providentially worked in bringing her back. The adjective full, it means full, of course, implies that it is to be not empty. The adverb empty means with empty hands or without possessions, without family, without cause, and without success. It infers one having been plundered. Yet she further stated, verse 21, she says, I went out full, the Lord hath brought me home again empty, and why then call ye me Naomi? Seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. The verb testified, it means reply or to answer. So She says, the Lord has replied against me. The Lord has answered against me. And the verb afflicted, now listen to this. The verb afflicted means treat badly. 
So look at what Naomi actually just said. She says, the Lord, I went away full. I went away full, and that's exactly right. Under her husband's leadership, Elimelech is to hold responsible here without question. But they went away full, but she says, the Lord hath brought me back empty. So she's acknowledging God providentially and even mercifully has brought me back. And we'll see why I say that in just a moment. However, at the same time, out of the same mouth, in the same breath, she says, the Lord's answered and replied against me. He testified against me. And the Lord has treated me badly. Now, there's a problem with that statement. Obviously. While acknowledging God providentially has brought me back, yet the Lord has dealt with me badly. Someone alluded to the fact that while it was faith that brought Naomi back home, it was a flawed faith. You see, Naomi recognized that God was the one who was working all of this out in her life, and we see that testified by her when she says, I went out full, but the Lord has brought me home, or again, empty. Yet at the same time, she failed to see or credit God's grace and mercy as part of that which was being demonstrated. Would it not have been accurate for Naomi to have actually stated, I went away full, the Lord hath brought me up, returned and brought me back empty. But would it not have been wonderful for her to have stated, and it is only by the grace and mercy of God that I have returned. Would that not be a true statement? Of course it would have. But what did she say? Oh, God's dealt rough with me. God has been rough towards me. He's, been, he's dealt with me bitterly. He's afflicted me. He's treated me badly. So what is the real problem with what Naomi's saying? Now, you would sit back and look at Naomi's life and say, yeah, she's providentially experienced some, some pretty rough times. She's lost her husband. She's lost both her sons, and now her one daughter-in-law has forsaken her. Even though it was at her instruction, she's gone. So all she has is Ruth. That's it. However, if the truth be told, had Naomi received what she deserved, she too would have died in Moab just as her husband and sons. Why is God allowing Naomi to return? Now, we know it's because God is working his eternal redemptive purpose. And we can see that on this side of the account. But had Naomi received, let me, let me go further and say this to you. Are you ready? Because this, you have to remember this. And people just do not connect this for some reason. Um, had Noah received what he deserved, do you know what would have happened to Noah? He would have drowned just like everyone else drowned. And you say, wait a minute, no, but, but Noah was righteous. Wait a minute, but Noah found grace. Did Noah deserve grace? Of course not. God demonstrated favor and kindness to Noah when he did not deserve it. If it were deserved, it would not be grace, but it would be reward. Meaning, if it's not that, if it said he deserved it, it's then that God owes it to him. But no man is owed the grace of God. Could we not say, just as with Noah, could we not stop and pause for a moment and say, 
but Naomi found grace. While her husband dies in Moab, her sons die in Moab, Orpah remains in Moab, Naomi and Ruth found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But notice what Naomi says. Naomi says, Lord's dealt bitterly with me. The Lord has afflicted me. He's treated me badly. Now, the famine from which Elimelech fled was the result, and I showed you this from Leviticus, it's the result of the people's rebellion against the Lord. Furthermore, it was the actions of Elimelech that resulted in his and his son's deaths in the land of Moab. For had Elimelech trusted the Lord rather than turning to Moab, remember we saw where he sojourned and that word sojourn and, and the, the terminology it's used in that account explaining in the first verses of the book of Ruth, Moab, or, or Elimelech's journey to Moab, it literally means that he became a dependent of Moab. So while not depending on the Lord, he instead turned to what he thought was best and became dependent upon a pagan people worshiping pagan gods rather than trusting the Lord. You say, but wait a minute, he was just trying to provide for his family. But why were they in the situation they were in? Israel was in, or or the people of Bethlehem, Judah, were in the situation that they were in because of their rebellion against God, in which God was judging, chasing them through sending the famine. And Elimelech says, we're out of here. So the famine was a result of the sins of the people and rebellion of the people. And Elimelech, the fact that he died and his sons died, was a result of his sin against the Lord and not trusting the Lord, but rather trusting in Moab and depending upon Moab. And had that not been the case, then Naomi would have not suffered the loss she had suffered in the way that she suffered it. Much too often, people will blame the Lord for the consequences of sin rather than whether that whether that whether or not that be the the consequence of original sin from which all men suffer or whether it be the consequence of one's actual sins which means one's personal sin which one commits would it not be amazing if men were as vocal and ready to offer praise to the lord for all the goodness that they receive from him as they were to blame the Lord for the consequences of their own sins. And Naomi does that. She's saying, oh, the Lord's dealt bitterly with me. The Lord has afflicted me. He's treated me badly. Look at verse 22. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Now, I know, historically speaking, this is stated as it is, to give us an understanding of what is taking place. But what is taking place is of tremendous significance. While Naomi is busy expressing how God has treated her badly in that her life has been plundered, which is what this literally means, and yet she's not confessing that it is all the result of sin, the Lord remained faithful to treat her in grace and mercy. God's grace, God's kindness is evidenced in the timing of Naomi's return. She had heard, we told, that the Lord had visited his people, which that was providentially ordained of God as well. She heard in the land of Moab, going about her everyday life, as miserable as she was, she hears somehow 
hey, that God's visited the people back home. God is blessing the people back home. And you know what that does in her? It puts a desire in her to go back home. And so that's exactly what she does. She goes back home. But the timing in her return to Bethlehem is at the beginning of the barley harvest. What was the very thing, what was, what was the very reason as to why Elimelech left Bethlehem Judah to go to Moab? It was a famine. And look at what the Lord does. He brings Naomi back in the beginning of a barley harvest when there is plenty of food and provision. Why it was the Lord who had brought her back. It was also the Lord who allowed her to return empty. Think of this for a moment. I know this is not the way that we often think. Her emptiness is a result of her sin, but in the midst of all of that, God is providentially working to bring her back at the very time in which her emptiness would be satisfied by His provision. You know, when we, <laughs> when we have our lives full of all sorts and kinds of things, those are not the moments that we are truly enjoying and resting in the provision of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's when we come to the place of realization. It doesn't mean we have to be destitute and homeless. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, though, when we come to the place to realize that we are absolutely spiritually bankrupt apart from God's provision in Jesus Christ, it is in those moments and those times at the moment of salvation, but also after salvation, when we are reminded that there's nothing that can fill our lives, that can fill the emptiness, there's nothing that can... can uh, suffice like our Lord Jesus Christ, it's in those moments that then we experience the fullness of God's provision and enjoy the fullness of the provision of God in Jesus Christ as we would not be able to otherwise. We sing the song, Good and Gracious King, and we state in that song as we sing that we come to a God who's in need of nothing and we come empty-handed. We have nothing to offer Him, but as we come empty-handed, we receive of that which He's provided for us. Naomi is empty, but providentially God is returning her at the time of fullness of provision. Naomi would discover that while the Lord had brought her back, Allowing her to return empty, providentially bringing her back empty, he did not do such to her demise. God is not rubbing all of this in Naomi's face. He's not saying, see, you messed up. Now you're going to see everything you missed. Notice what he does. He provides for her the food, the kinsman redeemer for Ruth, grandchildren in this case, through Boaz and Ruth, that is. And God is filling her life and filling her heart 
and filling her emptiness with His grace and with His goodness. The actual work which God was accomplishing was far greater than she could ever imagine and far greater than she would ever realize or know in her lifetime. For through all of this narrative of Ruth, God was implementing again His eternal redemptive purpose as Ruth would meet Boaz who would redeem her and through their offspring, the Messiah would be born. Do you think Ruth and Naomi knew that at this moment in time? No. And do you think Naomi would have to step back in the end and say, oh, I was so wrong. It was not that God was dealing. It was not that God was treating me badly. It's that God was treating me in grace and mercy. For had He done and given me what I deserved, then I would have never, ever experienced what He's allowed me to experience in His fullness and His blessing. And yet, at that moment, that's how she's viewing everything. As Jacob said, all these things work against me. Remember? In Genesis, Jacob says, all these things are working against me. He says, this is all. God is working against me in all of this. No, God was not working against him. God was fulfilling his purpose in all of this. And so it is with Ruth as well. And as well, Naomi. Naomi was not just a means to an end. Let us not forget that. It's not like, okay, Naomi, you messed up, now I'm going to use you so I can bring Ruth back, and then you're being put on the shelf and you're being cast aside. No, Naomi rejoiced too in God's blessing and God's goodness and God's fullness. She went away full with what they had filled themselves with and allowed to consume them. God brings her back empty of all of that, but he did so not to destroy her but that she might partake of his blessing as she had never imagined she possibly could. Thank God for his eternal redemptive work that is taking place, ongoingly taking place within our lives and within our hearts. It's an ongoing work that continually is being accomplished. And we may not all understand it right now in every situation and circumstance. I can guarantee you that I don't always and you don't either. But let me say to you, There will come a time, not in this lifetime, but there will come a time in eternity where we will be with the Lord and all the former things will be forgotten and and all set aside, but we will be able to also recognize that everything that has happened has been to the glory and honor of God the Father and the magnification of the Lord Jesus Christ and that all these things were done in God's purpose. Let's pray. Father, thank you again.